0: Well, if you have a Bible you can go ahead and open up to second Corinthians chapter 11. We are finishing that in our study called counterculture uh, We've been in the letters of first and second Corinthians and as you're turning there to first or second Corinthians 11 uh, just uh, remind you of two things as was shared um, give all your money to Brooke so support her um, and uh, I, I, I joke and not joke I think that's a worthy ministry and mission and was reminded yesterday that there are many hurting people in the world and uh, we need to meet those needs uh, with a sense of urgency in the gospel. And so uh, make sure you get to, to meet her and support her um, in any way that the Lord leads. And the second thing is this, um, we moved our prayer time, corporate prayer, prayer gathering, to 6 a.m. on Wednesday morning uh, so more people could be there. There is a plea for more corporate prayer to happen within the church. There has never been a time where we need to pray more. There are so many needs uh, that we need to be praying about and for and in, and so um, 6 a.m. Wednesday, I really want our church to be a part of that. I know it's a little early, uh, maybe for some of us to to give up some of our morning routine or lose an hour of sleep or whatever whatever that is, but uh, we need to pray as a church. And so 6 a.m. Wednesday, that's my uh, not shameless plug at all. It's my Urgent plea for our church to be a praying church, and we'll do that together on Wednesday again. Um, I want to dive into God's word here and spend time listening to Him, uh, which is better for all of us rather than listening to me. So um, I want to affirm this together as a church body something if you're new here to real hope that we believe about God's word and the Spirit, and then we'll read God's word together. Let's say it. Our pursuit is, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to be a biblically functioning community. We will not shy away from the word of God. We will embrace it as truth, no matter how painful it is to our souls or how countercultural it is to our souls. We will follow the King. Nothing sweeter than the sound of a child saying that. Let me read from verses 16 through 33. This is Paul, if you remember where we picked up, he is defending his ministry. He just talked about false teachers, and he's continuing to defend uh, with perhaps some sarcasm towards this group of people. In verse 16, he says this I repeat, let no one think me foolish, but even if you do, accept me as a fool so that I too may boast a little. What I am saying with this boastful confidence, I say not with the Lord's authority, but as a fool. Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. For you gladly bear with fools being wise yourselves. For you bear it if someone makes slaves of you, or devours you, or takes advantage of you, or puts on airs, or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews at 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night... And a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, dangers in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is a daily pressure on me of my anxiety." for all the churches who is weak and I am not weak who is made to fall and I am not indignant if I must boast I will boast of the things that show my weakness the god and father of our lord jesus he who is blessed forever knows that I am not lying at damascus the governor under king aretas was guarding the city of damascus in order to seize me but I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands you can feel the weight of Paul as he writes this, the anxiety, the suffering, the hardship, all weakness in this world. And I pray that God would strengthen us in weakness as we'll talk about this morning, that our boast would be in Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word as read this morning. Father, we come to you uh, a weak and broken people, although sometimes we don't display that in our lives. I ask that you would cause us to be humble before you. Speak to our hearts now as we journey through this passage that you may be glorified that the name of Jesus may be praised and we pray these things in his name and all God's people said. Have you ever heard a notable one, a really impressive speaker, a public speaker, and I'm not talking about myself, but one that would Uh, minister to your heart in a way that they are such good godly gifted communicators they're so eloquent with their words that you just sit and they can talk about any subject you sit at the edge of their seat and they just they just draw you in these are gifted men and women who can speak publicly and they can teach God's word and Quite frankly, if you know that, there's something amazing about a public speaker like that, a gifted communicator. And I have several pastors and teachers that I listen to and follow, and God has gifted them in amazing ways. And one of those was a man by the name of Dwight Knight as I was growing up as a young child and as a camper at Lake Geneva Youth Camp, he would come during the week and do the camp chapels. And I remember even as an eight-year-old, all the way till I was 18, whenever Dwight Knight would be the speaker for the week, I would just be drawn and captivated by every word he said. He was a big, tall, presence, uh, made known in a room kind of man, big African-American man, big beard, uh, smooth, rich, deep, voice, and he would proclaim the gospel with great passion. And I remember there, as a young man, just being in awe of him. He was a great and gifted, powerful speaker, and it was someone I looked up to very much. And if we're being honest, we, like I as a child, want those powerful gifts that are attractive to others. You see, naturally, as sinful people, when we do exhibit strength, our temptation or tendency is that we will boast in something. When we know things about other people that we so want for ourselves, we start to kind of build ourselves up and we are just tempted and our tendency and our sin is to boast in something and if you've been around here for long you know that we're looking through this letter in second corinthians a letter paul wrote to the church he started and we've been talking about this group of people called the super apostles or false teachers and they do not like paul that's pretty evident in the letter They're pretty hostile towards him with accusations, and last week we talked about him defending his ministry against him, but who were these super apostles, these so-called gifted teachers? They're this group who came into the church of leaders, and they claim to be better than Paul. They claim they were better communicators than Paul. They claim they were better financially off than Paul. And this group of itinerant missionaries who came to Corinth in the 50s attacked Paul's credential on every front. And perhaps the most devastating charge to him personally was that they said he was just not an effective communicator of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That he was ineloquent. You see, a fairly common approach for us in life is that we would want to appear better than others. We would like to boast. One of my favorite Bible teachers, Tim Keller, explains boasting this way. He says, In ancient times, boasting was a ritual before you engaged in a battle. Boasting was a ritual part of warfare in ancient times. Now think about this. How do you get a group of guys, soldiers, to charge with all their might and all their passion into certain death? How do you get them excited about that? Through a ritual boast. One of the things the king or general would do is some sort of boasting before the soldiers. He would say something like this. By tonight, their king's head will be upon my banner stand. And everybody would go, roar. Everybody try that. Roar. Ooh, scary. <laughs> there are crude forms of it. There are Anglo-Saxon, Mandarin, Greek versions of basically we're going to wipe the floor with you. That's a boast. We're going to do this to you. That's a boast. We're going to do this and that to them. That's a boast. They're going to be this and we're going to be that. And everybody did. (laughs) Not going anywhere with you guys. But it's that boasting and trash talking that we know is popularized in sports. Perhaps the boasting that happens in basketball. People wanting to look good so that others would look bad. And the whole idea behind ritual boast really is this summing it up, we can do it, we can get it, we're strong enough, we're good enough, and all that self-speak of boasting, and what God says is the problem with every human heart, is that you look at your beauty, and your smarts, your talent, and you look at anything good about yourself, and you look at your achievements, and what you say at the end of that is, I did that, that's from me, And you take credit for it. You see it as your accomplishment, but they're gifts from God. You say, Well, I was born with that talent. I was born with this beauty. Gifts from God that we, in our foolishness and sinfulness, take credit for. And that is the very nature of the human heart and a boastful one. And every single, listen to this every single soul makes its boast in something. Every single soul makes its boast in something it looks at something if you say if you have money you say look at the money I have If you have might, you say, look how strong I am. If you have athletic prowess, you say, look at how athletic I am. If you have beauty or smarts, you say, this is why I'm valuable. This is why I'm love worthy. This is why I'm worthy of applause, accolades, and cheering. This is why I'm worthy of praise. It's for my glory. This is who I am. This is my significance. This is my value. It's my thing. I've accomplished this. This is mine, and that's what is sick about our culture. It's a very me-based, look-at-me culture. I have accomplished this. And that's exactly what is going on in the Corinthian church. Leaders are boasting about how great they were. And they were saying how bad Paul was. And boasting and pride is the tendency of a sinful human heart. I love the story of David as he's chosen as king. If you remember in 1 Samuel, Samuel comes to Jesse, the father of David, and he sees all his sons. David's out in the field tending to the sheep, and he comes along, all his sons, and it's like, Lord says, no, not that one, that's not the one. And he gets to Iliab, and he says by his spirit, surely this me, be the one. Look how strong he is and how it's stature. And if you remember the verse there spoken in 1 Samuel 16, it says, no, 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 Samuel, that's not the one. Remember. Men look at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. Outward boasting is the natural and sinful tendency of a human heart, but it's not what God desires. Instead, he desires anti-boasting. And Paul comes along and does this. If Paul wanted to boast, here's what he could have said. D.A. Carson says, here's what Paul could have argued. I have established more churches I've preached the gospel in more lands into more ethnic groups. I have traveled more miles. I have won more converts. I have written more books. I have raised more money. I have dominated more councils. I've walked with God more fervently and seen more visions. I have commanded the greatest crowds and performed the greatest of miracles. Paul had that in his resume, but that's not at all what Paul said. What did he say instead? He said, boasting is stupid. You'd be a fool to do that. And take note, this applies not to just pastors and teachers. This is for all of us. And he starts in verse 16 through 18. He says, I repeat, let no one think me foolish. And Paul is going to do something here as he writes this letter, navigating some sarcasm and making a point. But even if you do accept me as a fool, so that I too may boast a little. What I am saying with this Boastful confidence, I say not as the Lord would but as a fool, since boast so many boast According to the flesh, I too will boast. Paul is picking up some sarcasm here, and you have to see that in the text and the way he's writing it. He's saying here that boasting would be really foolish. Actually goes a little bit further than that, and he says he's about to establish his credibility by his own version of boasting, and he says that should work out well for the Corinthians since you're into that. So he kind of speaks their language, if you will, making a point to them that this is the kind of foolishness that you guys see and love. You're into this kind of thing. And so he, he says not to take the bait of boasting himself, but to make a point. He says this is the kind of nonsense that I'm talking about. He continues on in verses 19 through 21. For you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves. For you bear it if someone makes a slave of you, devours you, takes advantage of you, or puts on airs, Or even as it was said about the abuse of leadership strikes you in the face, and you put up with it. And he says, I must say, we were too weak for that. Paul is pointing at the people the Corinthians liked, and they were impressive leaders and good speakers, but they were also domineering in the way that they had led. It's like their resume said this, skilled leader, good track record, award-winning public speaker, robs followers of their freedom, exploits followers and their resources, takes advantage of people, abusive tendencies and action, and people were okay with it. And that's the problem with boasting. It's stupid. When we boast and when we're impressed with the boasting of others, we're being foolish. We're not seeing the big picture. There's a much better way. And so Paul goes on to say the only thing worth boasting is, is in our weakness. Paul says, okay, if we're going to boast, let me give you some things to boast about. Could Paul boast about his accomplishments? accomplishments? Oh yeah, look at verses 21 through 23. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I am speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? He said, so am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. Paul could boast about his accomplishments if he wanted to. You see, he was a Pharisee. He knew most of the Bible, had most of the scriptures memorized. He had spent time with the risen Jesus. Who could say that? Not many of them. He had given his whole life to the mission of Jesus. He never asked for money from the Corinthians. We looked at that last week. And if Paul wanted to play that game, he could have. But instead, he boasted about something else. He boasted about his weakness. Look at the last part of verse 23. Greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to fall and I am not indignant? If I must boast, Paul says, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. And so Paul boasts not about his strength, but he boasts about something entirely different, his suffering. And he boasts about weakness and suffering as the defining characteristic of his ministry. What does Paul boast about? Look at this list, his punishments, persecutions, sufferings, and the dangerous situations he'd faced, as well as his daily, probably hourly, by the minute and second pressure of anxiety that he had for all the churches. As if I couldn't identify with myself and other friends in ministry, anxiety for pastors in 2020. I'm sure it's not there. And this daily anxiety. The list in verses 24 through 28 is completely just ridiculous. It's perspective shaping. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Most of us would say never had that happen. Three times I was beaten with rods. Most of us have never probably been beaten. Once I was stoned the way that they killed people in the day. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger in the sea, danger from false brothers, and toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst without food, and cold and exposure, apart from everything else, the anxiety. Sounds dangerous. I couldn't help but think as Brooke was up here speaking, single young young woman to hear her heart and passion. This is what the Lord spoke to go to Bolivia, to this neighborhood and that's where I'm going to live. And I thought, man, this just doesn't sound safe. Sounds dangerous. How often do we think about that when we read a list like this to think of all the stuff we go through in this country? Think about it. It's perspective shaping. All the stuff that's So bad in our lives and all this bad stuff that's going on in our country. Is this what the list looks like? I mean, let's be honest. We're concerned so much about an election coming up. And I get it that it's a big election. But look at this list. Does that mark your life? I want to pause here and focus in on verse 29. I've never really noticed it in the way I've noticed it before this really kind of strange verse when Paul says who is weak that I am not weak who is made to fall and I am not indignant Paul says essentially that he is weak when anyone in the churches experience weakness those who are made to fall In other words, when a person in one of the churches is in need, whether in terms of spiritual peril, material resources, illness, or some other limitation, the Apostle Paul is here burdened by that. The needs in the churches affect him. He is aware and attentive to those needs. When anyone fails in the church, Paul feels the emotional weight of a failure. He's burdened when someone falls into sin. Think about when is the last time you felt that way for one another in the church body, that weight of that. So often we're in a culture where we think only of ourselves and only of our opinions and only the way we want to view it. And when do we think of that in terms of the church body together? And Paul is burdened with that. John Chrysostom said this about Paul, something I would only hope to attain in my own ministry. What wonderful affection in a pastor. Others' falls, he is saying, accentuate my grief, and others' obstacles inflame the firing of my suffering. Paul identified with suffering and weakness. And what is he saying in all this? In just 10 words, I would say it this way Beware the weakness of strength. And embrace the strength of weakness. The true Christian life is not about status or self-promotion. That's the way of the world right now. In social media feeds, in Instagram followers, in TikToks, it's all, look at me, I've done this kind of culture. But the way of a true and humble humble believer in in, in the way of Jesus is that they follow Jesus. And what does that look like? Isaiah 53 gives us a little picture of that as it prophesied about the coming Christ. It says this, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted, acquainted, a friend of grief. And as one from whom men would hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. He had no home. He died an ignoble death, and yet his very exaltation came through what? His suffering. Jesus was exalted through his suffering. God's very nature is to give himself sacrificially in service for others. That's the way of Jesus. So who looks more like Jesus? Not those who embrace their strengths. It's those who embrace their weakness, those who are willing to serve others. That looks a lot more like Jesus. When the Corinthians beat up on Paul for his humility and suffering, they're beating up on the very qualities that made him a good leader. Interesting part in the last part of that passage, lowered down through a basket, that must have been embarrassing to those other people, those leaders that Paul had to escape. But Paul didn't care. He escaped because he wanted to proclaim the gospel. And so that interesting little part of the passage that's added there was another on the list of what they would say was his failures. But they're beating up on the very qualities that he, that he picked up from Jesus. And it's stupid to boast about our strengths when the very thing we should be boasting about, if we're forced to boast as Paul is, is about giving up our lives for God's glory and the good of others. Can that be said of you? Do you give up your life? for the glory of God and the good of others. Are you doing that? Are you serving in a gospel ministry? Are you going out into a mission field? Do you listen to someone like Brooke stand and share her heart and say, I wonder if God would ever lead me to that? And you start to pray about that, how you could be a a part of doing something for his glory in that way. Are you even serving in the local church? Maybe you'd say, Tonight would be a great opportunity at six o'clock to join one of our Sunday teams just to take a step in the right direction to make your life count for something other than yourself, to give it up sacrificially for the glory of his name and the good of others. What are you giving your time and investment to? Is it marked by that? You see, there was a fundamental conflict between what God values, and there's always this conflict, between what God values and what we value. We value success in our sinfulness, education, wealth, freedom even, and accomplishments. And what does God value? Humility and weakness. God's love and power were made known through humility and weakness, and it's how we were saved. Here's when we know, here's like a little litmus test of knowing if I understand the gospel. When we stop boasting about our strengths and we start embracing weakness and humility and service, when we realize the very thing that God may use most powerfully in our lives isn't our strength, but our suffering. And you could take any... Any weak thing that you struggle with, and I know some of what you struggle with, and you could say that this is just what limits me. And I say, what if God could do that, work through you, through that in his great power? And that's what Paul is after. God would use the weak things, the things that you say would just be a hindrance to you in gospel ministry. And he said, no, 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 that's how I'm going to do it through you. So if you're anxious, I'm going to work through it. If you're fearful, that's how I'm going to work through it. If you have health issues, that's how I'm going to work through it. If you have a heaviness of heart over this, I'm going to work through it. I saw a family yesterday work through a very hard thing in grief. And in their lowest moment in losing a son and a brother and a friend, they knew that their boast and only hope was in Christ, and they were met with that head on. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that is what God is calling you to to stop boasting in your strengths and to start embracing your weakness and look for opportunities to give yourself away in service to him and others. And you might say, well, I don't, I don't really boast. I don't really talk about myself. If you're not doing the work of the Lord, you're not doing anything good. If you are not yet a follower of Christ, I would say this, there's good news for all of us. All of us, Sinful, prideful people who walk in here, myself included, every Sunday morning. God offers us forgiveness. And if you never have given your life to the Lord, He offers His life, Jesus Christ, His perfect life of obedience and humility and weakness and righteousness to you today. And He offers His death on the cross as a payment for your sin. And He shed His blood for you to know this God but you have to embrace your weakness and humility, and you have to make him Lord of your life and trust him by faith. If you ever truly want to be strong in him, we must be brought low. before the weakness or beware rather, the weakness of strength and embrace the strength of weakness. While I'm thankful that God notices us in our weakness. And because of that, he loves us and he came toward us for our redemption. I think it's best to say this, that as believers, we are at our best when we are not noticed. We are at our best when we are not noticed. We are at our best in Christian living to go on requiring of us daily and by the minutes constant self-negation getting out of the way of ourselves and and this clamoring ego that we're so tempted towards being purged from our soul. And let me just say, I saw that on display in the church through the many volunteers that served here yesterday, a selflessness of just getting out of their own way and going unnoticed. So many hands serving in the background. Remember Dwight Knight, that childhood camp speaker who I looked up to? What I learned watching him through that childhood and then later in life is he was a man marked by great humility. I learned as an adult and later that he got offered numerous opportunities and jobs to serve at bigger churches, preach to bigger congregations, and he turned them all down for humble ministry. I always would look at him at camp and see him reading his Bible. He wore the same clothes most of the week. Found him investing in kids and staying after to answer questions and to be playing basketball, pick up games with with kids just to get to know them. And to this day, even as he's aged in ministry, he's given his life fully to the gospel, continuing teaching God's word, giving glory to God and serving for the good of others. Verse 30, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. We are at our best when we get out of the way, when we're not noticed, when we purge the ego from our soul, and when we embrace our weakness, when we serve Jesus Christ with our whole lives, our whole hearts, our whole minds, every ounce of strength. So beware of weakness of strength and embrace the strength of weakness. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we, I come to you this morning and confess my own weakness. Father, we are such desperate people for your mercy and you give us what, that which we do not deserve. And we'd be, we'd be foolish to place our hope or boast In anybody or anything but Christ. And Father, help us in the church, especially now in these days in our world right now, where many, even believers, are being drawn towards other things that they're putting their hope and faith in. Would you remind us that our only boast is Christ and that there is strength and weakness? I don't know what the coming days look like ahead. I know that I personally and many of us have never experienced the hardships. That Paul listed. And if that's what you bring us towards, even as a country, God, for the glory of your name, I pray that we would walk through it with great faithfulness. Would you strip down our arrogance and our egos and that we would be a people that would embrace weakness and suffering because it's when we are weak, you are strong. And so God, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts. I I pray for anyone that's never trusted Christ by faith, that they would this moment in humility bow before you and seek forgiveness for sins and look to Jesus as Lord and Savior. The Bible says that anyone who believes in their heart, confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart that Jesus is Lord, he will be saved. Father, I know that people need to be brought low in order to be lifted up. Would you do that now? And God, would you give us such a laser focus for bringing glory to your name through service? Even in hardships, even in trials, even when storms happen in life, Father, as I saw this family display yesterday, that you would use it for your good and for your glory. And Father, that we would be a people embracing our weakness and suffering that would confidently stand. And even as we're about to sing, say, it is well with my soul. May the name of Jesus be praised in our lives. May he be glorified. May we declare it is well. And as in the name of Jesus we pray, and all God's people said,